to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the BB Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Loverbrand, Managing Director of Bright Vision and hosting this episode today. And the theme of today's episode is the journey to silo-free content strategy. And we have a very interesting guest with us today, Ashley Foss, who's Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Atlassian. Welcome to our podcast, Ashley. Hey, good to be here, Jacob. Fantastic to have you here and to get to pick your brain. Yeah. about content strategy. So, uh, you know, for people who don't know you or Atlassian, maybe you can give us a little bit of background who you are and what you're up to. Sure. So I'm Ashley. I am a marketer, writer, and speaker by day and a singer, actor, and fitness fiend by night. So I do intentionally combine that personal and professional elements of my quick tagline. And I work for Atlassian. So we are a collaboration software maker on a mission to unleash the potential of every team. So most folks have heard of a number of our products. Um, We make Jira, Confluence, Trello, Bitbucket. Um, So we work across teams of all different types, software teams, business teams, IT teams. And yeah, I've been here for just over five years and a couple of different roles and currently working in product marketing. So interesting. Wow. Both day job and night job. Interesting. (laughs) So, uh, but uh, unfortunately, we will not focus on your singer career uh, this time, but more on the... (laughs) Exactly. We'll we'll do another episode talking about the singing, acting, fitness stuff. The singing content. So, uh, wow, that's so cool. And um, we will talk about, you know, silo-free content today, but maybe we should just start with, you know... um, uh, what's your definition or take on silo-free content strategy? So let's start a little bit at the top there. Um, what is the essence and, and purpose of it? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is that we need to rethink the audience journey. And I use that word audience very specifically because in most companies, what you see is that uh, when they're prospects, right, this word prospects, That means, oh, they don't know us, they haven't bought, so they're prospects. And then at some point, whenever they're going to buy, uh, you know, we're in a deal cycle. And so now, you know, sales owns them, right? When they're prospects, marketing owns them. When they're kind of in the buying cycle, sales owns them. And then when they become customers, okay, now procurement or finance or customer success owns them. And then when they're actually continuing to use the product, especially in B2B SaaS, now they're users. And so we've got all of these different words to talk about the same humans behind the screen. Mm -hmm. And that results in this mindset that we're handing them off and that different people within the organization, different teams now own that relationship. And so we've got these very specific handoffs that happen. The problem is most of the time for the audience, that is a jerky process and it feels like they keep running into walls okay, now as a, you know, marketing is now handing me off to sales. And you're like, okay, I just, I really wanted to just know what your pricing was. And now you're telling me I have to book a demo or, okay, now you're going to get handed off 
from a marketer to an account executive to now, you know, your customer success person. And the customer success person doesn't know anything about the pricing or the research that you went through, right? So it's just this really disjointed process where we show all of what's happening on the back end internally to our audience. And so at the end of the day, we need to think of this as an audience journey for humans, mm -hmm. not a prospect journey to a user journey to a customer journey, right? For an account. Mm -hmm. And so that language shift and that mindset shift is really what I'm getting out of. Let's, let's rethink how we talk about this audience journey. Wow. That's interesting. And, and uh, that's, a very interesting topic. I actually talked about somebody who, who talked about the non-linear funnel <laughs> just a few weeks ago. So that's so interesting to hear. And that sounds very familiar because I know in a previous talk I heard with you prepping this podcast, you used um, an analogy to say that the, the customer journey is more like a playground versus a, a linear funnel. You know, So maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that metaphor. So the quippy way that I say this is the funnel is dead, use a playground instead. And I think that when we start talking about those silos, if you look at the linear funnel where it says awareness, consideration, purchase, and then some sort of post-purchaser retention, mm -hmm. that's where you see that language shift where say, okay, when they're in this awareness phase, now suddenly they are, you know, people over there, right? They're, they're, marketers, the marketer's dream, they're going to attract this audience, right? Um, versus if you think about it in a playground, you shift how you design that journey to allow the audience to go up, down, sideways, enter and exit, right? So if you think of a playground, there's no right way to play on a playground. It's designed in such a way that it's so smart that you can go on the swings, you can go on the merry-go-round, you can go down the slide, you can skip the slide altogether, you can go up the slide if you want. You can use content the wrong way. And so when I talk about using content the wrong way, as an example, um, for pricing, there are a lot of companies that consider pricing to be a bottom of funnel discussion. But if I don't even have budget, I need to get a sense for pricing to where I can even pop all the way back up into awareness of your company or solution or consideration of your solution, right? If I don't have budget, I'm not, I'm not going to go through that funnel. So exposing that pricing in the top of funnel means that you're now enabling somebody to go on that research journey and to go ask for the budget that they need to even be able to buy however many days, weeks, months later. So it really is that shift where you need to think holistically about designing it in a smart way. Um, another interesting consideration. So we work, um, I work in B2B SaaS. And so, you know, we have to keep winning and re-winning the hearts, minds, and wallets of our audience. And so frequently, we will get questions about how difficult is this to roll out? How long is it going to take to implement? What is the migration path if somebody wants to go from an on-prem system to cloud? All of those questions would traditionally be considered like a post-purchase customer success or user documentation question. But if somebody is trying to make that decision about, you know, which product do I go with you versus a competitor, or do I migrate from on-prem, they want to know all of that information up front. And so what you start to see is that even the documentation that would traditionally be considered bottom of funnel, that potentially becomes a top of funnel discussion. And so 
this mindset that there's these hard lines. It, it just doesn't make sense from a language perspective, from a buying perspective, the playground and the you know ability to go up, down and sideways makes much more sense to me. Wow, that's a great analogy. I love it how you describe it because that's, uh, you know, we have been trained now for 10 years to keep us to the funnel and all the stages and the HubSpot uh, methodologies and all the other conferences when we have talked about you know, from serious decisions and other providers of funnels and very exact funnels like that. But this this makes total sense. So I, I love it. And at least from a personal perspective, that's how I probably would like to integrate or interact with different providers when I'm looking for information. So yeah, I, I agree. Pricing info is one of the first questions. Is it is it even interesting to spend time researching this provider if they're really expensive and out of my budget? Well, that's a waste of time. So, uh, yeah. so totally makes sense. So um, very interesting. Let's 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 go to the playgrounds with our clients and prospects instead. But <laughs> that takes us to the next question. As a marketeer, that makes it more complicated. One. Good thing with the silo is it's very easy to comprehend and what, you know, we have learned that, you know, top of the funnel content and, and so forth. It's it's quite uh, linear and quite easy to produce uh, marketing campaigns for. So silo-free content and, and this journey that is much more complex or, or ad hoc or whatever we call the the journey in, in in the playground. Where do we start as marketeers? Can you can you just take us through some of the essential steps to map out and go through to achieve the silo-free nature of the content strategy? So I think the first key is that it's not just about the marketer. It is also about customer success and sales and support or content design or documentation, whatever you call that discipline or, or team of teams within your organization, if you're in a larger, larger organization. And so um, first thing is looking at shared goals. And this does not necessarily mean that you have to have shared metrics each team will need to have their own metrics that they're driving toward, but having that ultimate shared goal. And so when we talk about overall enablement and retention, for example, in the product, that means we have to attract the right customers. It means we have to enable them as they go through the journey. And it means we have to effectively keep getting them to resubscribe or to upsell or to cross-sell, right? So ultimately, if we have a shared goal around retention, of customers and customer growth, that then starts to tell us, okay, what does each team need to do within their craft and within their responsibility to drive toward that ultimate goal? So that's the first thing is having those shared goals. The second thing is cross-linking. And so again, each of these teams, it does make sense for you to have roles and responsibilities per team. It doesn't make sense to have everybody doing everything, but the goal is that it's a seamless journey for the audience. And so using clear CTAs, having cross-links, understanding your different site purposes, content purposes, and the goal of what that's trying to drive for the user. So frequently when we talk about this, people will say, oh, this content is, you know, it's learn intent. Everybody thinks that all content is learn intent content. We want them to learn about the product. Okay, what do you want them to do once they learn about the product? Well, buy it. Okay, then that's buy intent content. Okay, what do we want them to do once they learn about the product? Well, use it. Okay, that's that's use intent content, right? What do we want them to do after they learn about the company? Well, 
we want them to trust us and like us. Okay, well, that's affinity intent content. That's that's those are very different. And so I think that that getting very crisp on your intents across all of the teams to say, okay, the marketers are going to create, you know, buy intent content and the customer support or documentation or customer success folks are going to create use intent content. The brand team is going to create affinity intent or credibility intent content. And so once you start to separate those, you start to realize how they all work together to create this cohesive journey. So those I think are the, the, the key things. You've got uh, being crisp on your intents, being crisp on which teams own those intents and which channels, outlets, and deliverables contribute to each intent. And then being clear with your CTAs, you're not going to bait and switch on your customers or your audience, and then making sure that you've cross-linked and made it easy for people to navigate that journey. Oh, so interesting. So, um, you know, is there any, should you, what kind of questions should you ask you to yourself and your team in order to find those uh, areas? Uh, you know, is is it all those uh categories you should use in order to try to find that uh, linkage, I suppose now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do think that a lot of this starts, you know, this has to start with the audience. You yeah. can't just sit in a room by yourself as marketers and be like, well, mm. I think this. No, what you think doesn't matter. You mm. need to talk to your audience. And so looking at what questions are they asking about different problems? What questions are they asking about your solution? That could be your product, that could be um, your company. And then starting to map that content of where are they asking those questions? Are they asking on social media? Are they asking when they're in product and looking for in-product help? Are they asking on your owned properties? Are they asking on Google? Are they asking in forums? And then you can start to map where do we answer these audience questions with how do we answer those audience questions? So I actually really like to map content to content depths. Um, so at the conceptual level, it's the what and the why of the idea. It helps them frame up the problem. Mm -hmm. At the strategic level, it's the processes, tools, and key knowledge components that they need to implement the idea. So helping them think about the solution and do their own research. And then at the tactical level, that's the nitty gritty prescriptive step-by-step -step instructions. And you'll notice that nowhere in there did I say of your product or your pricing or your offering. That may be one piece of it, but that's not the ultimate piece of it, right? That's the buy intent content at conceptual, strategic, and tactical depths. But that could also be learn intent or use intent or affinity or credibility intent content mapping to those different depths. So it can get kind of complicated. The big thing is that you have to be very close to the audience and you have to really think through what questions are they asking? What problems are they solving? What solutions are they seeking mm. outside of what you are trying to sell them or get them to do? Mm. So interesting, very clear. And when it comes to the silo thing there, uh, I see a few different uh, uh, perspectives on it. And uh, one is, uh, the question is there, Atlassian is a big company. You have many products and many countries and many, you know, initiatives going on uh, everywhere and so forth. Uh, first question is, how do you align this 
in getting everything you know in this playground and all the content and the questions you want to answer and so forth aligned with the company mission vision and product strategies and also how can we sign roles and responsibilities between different teams and without ending up in those silos and you know doing your own thing over here and there and so forth can you tell us a little bit about that how, how you see that it requires a lot of diligence from everyone. And so I think that we actually, part of the way that we achieve this is we go all the way back to the hiring stage. The people that we hire are aligned with our values. And one of our values, well, I guess I should say two of our values, uh, play as a team, build with heart and balance. And so those two values mean that we want to work together and we're willing to do what's right for ourselves and for our customers, that's again, where that build with heart and balance comes in. Sure, I could take all of this so I can get credit, but ultimately I'm trying to do things in service of our customer. And so that means I need to play as a team. And so that, that foundation of values means that if I stumble on a piece of content that I didn't write or that somehow overlaps with my content, great. Let me figure out who owns that content and let's figure out how we can work together because ultimately we have those shared goals. So I would actually say this is less about, you know, yes, there's processes. Yes, there's conversations, there's meetings, there's documentation internally. But ultimately, if you don't have people who are willing to work together and who care about the outcome for the audience, you're not no amount of process or, you know, forcing people to behave this way is going to result in that. So that's the first step. Make sure that you have a values aligned hiring process so you get the right people with the right mindset. The second thing is making sure that you do have that documentation and process and understanding of ultimately which teams own which intents. And so that's something that we're actually working now that we've grown so much to document at a high level so that everyone knows, okay, this is what, you know, the intents that the marketers own. These are the intents that our content design team owns. In some cases, there's some blurriness, right? For example, our product guides. Product guides can be used as a buy intent content because somebody wants to know what are the templates? What are the use cases? How might I use this? How difficult is it to use this? Like, can I get some early wins? And so marketers own that content because it's meant to sell. But then obviously from a content design standpoint, they're like, hey, we own product guides. You know, the very nitty gritty, how to use the products, how to troubleshoot them, how to configure them, you know, that usage, shouldn't that be a product guide? And so one of the ways we've solved that is to have that cross-linking. And so if it's associated with the product tour, where somebody is very much in the mindset, you see, you know, product features, pricing, product guide. Okay, I know I'm about to look at a piece of content that is going to sell me the product. And usually we talk about that more in terms of use cases or, you know, five quick tips to get started. But within that, we say, if you're looking for a deeper dive, go over here and read the support documentation. So that if, for example, somebody Googles it and they land in the product guide when they really need support, we've made it very easy for them to go to support. And then same thing on support where we say, curious about how this works with another product or, you know, don't already have an account, go here to sign up for free. And so that way, no matter where they land in that journey, they have the ability to get 
to the other place where they might need to be. And so that's something that we coordinate very closely with across the teams where we are we have different types of content creators pair with each other per product or per, or per solution. Yeah, I, 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 I can hear that. It's a complex, <laughs> complex situation to work in, but it seems like you have a great system working for you there. I know in a previous talk where you discussed the topic uh, you bring up, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, in this area, uh, uh, and you mentioned uh, something called a different depth. Uh, you were taking a holistic approach to distribution and uh, outside the usual marketing focused channels and so forth. So just a little bit note on that. Maybe you can say, you know, which channels um, outside the usual marketing focused channels do you believe are important to take into consideration when adopting a holistic approach and, and different depths and things like that? I think, again, that mindset shift away from, okay, marketing influences this therefore it must be by intent every time right again there's there's places where yes marketing primarily owns that but for example um in the onboarding flow you know that is a place where you have the opportunity to help somebody get quick wins and so you might potentially expose templates to them um which gives them an opportunity to potentially see how they could integrate an additional product. It gives them some additional use cases that maybe they didn't know you had, right? And so there's an element where it's it's that combination of kind of buy and use intent in that initial signup flow in that space. And so I think what a lot of people do when they're in that siloed mindset, they separate these things and they think that, okay, the website or social media or Google, that's where the marketers sell. That's where the marketers convince people to buy. In product is where the product managers and the content designers and support documentation, that's where that's where people use the content. Okay, but in the signup flow, what happens there? How do they get that information? How do we set them up for success so that they keep coming back to the product and they feel excited that they're getting the value and they're seeing the value and they're they're able to get more value. Getting value, whose job is that? And that's where you kind of start to see that, that overlap. And so that's an example where I would say marketing has influence in that channel. And same thing with, you know, the in-product help or, you know, product integrations, for example. When do you expose that so that people can start to see that they can do more with your product? And you know, even within marketing teams, right? Like I work primarily um, with Jira software, but Jira software works very well with Confluence. And so what we could do is say, well, Confluence has goals, Jira has goals. We're just going to be completely separate. Instead, what we do is say, okay, how do our teams work together to tell a story about how people can have a comprehensive workflow to move their projects forward? right? Do your project posters. So you have all of your requirements. Everyone's on the same page in Confluence. And then use that to build the product with all of, build the project with all the tasks in Jira software. And then you can link to that documentation. You can include those tickets, right? It's, it's this joint thing. And so as we start to think about that, that's where we start to get into these marketing channels that are maybe non-traditional because we're thinking holistically, if we go back to the four P's of marketing, product is one of those four P's. It's not just promotion. And so I think that thinking through 
how do we influence that product? How do we influence place is another piece of it. Again, too many marketers are so focused on promotion that they forget that foundationally we are responsible for an influence product price and place promotion comes last, right? So we have to look at all of these in terms of channels, in terms of tactics and strategies, not just that promotion piece. Mm. Yeah. So good. And that's important that we really try to leverage that in our organization. You know, uh, you have mentioned a little bit how 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 you work here. What uh, do you have any you know real world examples from when you see this really working well in uh, either your company or other 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 company you have helped with with you know creating a silo free content strategy? And can you share anything around that for for the audience? Sure. So I mean, I think Atlassian has done a really great job of this. We've got you know a variety of processes and meetings and those types of things. Um, the other, you know, I've done this at a number of different companies where helping we've we've helped to break that mindset around who creates content and when and how we enable those different content creators. So, for example, at Duarte, I worked very closely with a lot of our account managers. Um, they had all of the information about the clients and the customers and, and what their needs were. And so they came back. So, for example, one of the campaigns that we ran um, at the time, Salesforce had a very specific um, kind of structure and grading system around who could be a public spokesperson on behalf of Salesforce. And so that was an insight that the account manager, so basically the salesperson brought back to me as a marketer to say, hey, let's run a campaign because at the time, you know, uh, Duarte does uh, presentation design and training. So communication, strategic communication. And so bringing that back into a campaign to talk about the different types of speaking, uh, different outlets, how you need to prepare differently, how you need to adjust your messaging for different outlets. And so that was something where we were able to bring that back as a sales insight into our marketing campaigns to then turn that into an enablement um, and bring in some elements of our training as well. So uh, again, they could be off just selling one very specific thing to one very specific account, but instead we took that and up-leveled it and expanded it into a longer term campaign and strategy to say, okay, a lot of big companies have something similar. Um, again, Atlassian has, you know, a, a kind of core series of people that are the general spokespeople and, and what they need. So again, that, that strategy that we used at Duarte could work as well at Atlassian now that we're bigger. So I think it really depends on the nature of the company, but I think that, uh, that, that willingness to have people talk to each other and to go beyond just saying, I can sell this one thing to this one customer to saying what other types of customers might this apply to, or what other types of users might this apply to, and how can we broaden it so that we can build it in a way that gets used over and over again, um, versus just each team saying, I'm going to do my one thing. Let's figure out how we can learn from each other. Great. Awesome. And, uh, uh well so what if you're a cmo or a marketing manager you spent you know years paying for expensive uh training in order to get everybody to understand the funnel now and you know everybody's working in that way where do you start you know in introducing those concepts uh do you have any examples of training or material that could be an introduction to the 
the playground, so to say, and, and those concepts of silo-free content strategies? I'll say two things about that. The first is that I don't actually think that you have to completely discard the funnel. The funnel is a retrospective measurement tool. So yes, a certain amount of people from kind of a marketing and sales standpoint will evaluate your company or your product or your offering. A certain number of them will go deeper and potentially do an RFP or ask for a quote. A certain number of them will purchase and obviously a certain number of them will renew or buy more products, right? It is a retrospective measurement tool, not a forward-looking strategy tool. So that's the first thing. Helping people understand what happened previously and what are the insights that we can then take to put into our forward-looking strategy. I think that's the first thing is, is that mindset shift away from we need to create X number of pieces of awareness con you know, content over the next six months. It's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what we're doing. Let's look at what happened. And of course, there's some funnel elements there and say, okay, what does that mean that we need to do to take action going forward? Where are the gaps? So that's the first thing. Second thing would be, I, I think, spending time with some of the newer creators. Um, and, you know, you mentioned HubSpot earlier saying, oh, we've all been in this, this HubSpot, right? They kind of invented the an inbound methodology, which was obviously quite funnel-based. If you look at a lot of the speakers and a lot of the content that's coming out of HubSpot now, they are starting to push this evolution of the audience journey. So I actually presented on this topic a couple of years ago at HubSpot and so um, at Inbound. And so if you start to look at how even they're evolving, how they talk about these things, I think that's the other big thing, this growth mindset and continuing to consume these things. Um, I think there's a couple of really awesome marketers who are kind of pushing the boundaries. Um, Amanda Natividad, for example, talks about zero click content. And what she's really talking about is engaging in the place where the audience already exists. So if they're hanging out on LinkedIn, great. Engage with them on LinkedIn. Don't keep trying to force them to get to your website mm -hmm. so you can get a tracking pixel so that you can get them to fill out a form so that, you, right, you know, it's like, if they're already hanging out on LinkedIn, just talk to them on LinkedIn. It's not their fault you can't measure that properly, right? So so she's a great person to look at. Um, I think that there's, you know, a number of other marketers who are talking about this, like Steve Watt and uh, Danielle Guzman, for example, talking about employee advocacy and how you start to build those relationships at more of that one-to-one -one level. I think they're doing a great job. Overall, the discussion around product-led growth, and again, Atlassian has been leading in that discussion from a business model perspective. How do you create products that are by nature growing? And it's not the product sells itself. That's that's kind of a myth. It's how do you design it in a way that it works better if you invite your whole team or if you invite other users to join you. So I think even looking into the discussion around product-led growth, there's a ton of lessons that you can get from that to start to think about shifting away from using the funnel as a strategy driver and looking at it more as that retrospective tool. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. 
Yeah, I tend to publish most frequently on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a couple of articles about the content playground. I talk a lot about thought leadership as well and social media strategy and how those three can work together um, to create a comprehensive playground for companies. So yeah, if you want to look me up, Ashley Foss on LinkedIn, um, I should be the first result that comes up. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for sharing your concepts and insights and experiences here from Atlassian and other companies. It's so exciting. And I mean, obviously, you're doing something right because Atlassian is growing like crazy. So, <laughs> well, it's not just me. We have a number of very talented, uh, again, content creators across a variety of different disciplines, very smart product managers. So, I am fortunate to work with very smart, capable, motivated people from many different crafts. Uh, you're, you're way too humble. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, Ashley. And I wish you all the best in your uh, future endeavors at Atlassian and in your day and night gigs as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.